thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is finally back this week. We've got UFC Vegas 47 with the main event between Sean Strickland and Jack Hermanson. We'll be breaking down that as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Or we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think is going to make your wallet fat this upcoming weekend. Plus, we've got interviews with two fighters, and actually two fighters who are fighting each other this weekend. First, I'll be talking to Julian Arosa about his upcoming fight with Steven Peterson, and then later on in the show, I'll also be talking to Steven Peterson about that fight. So make sure you catch all of that great content, but before you do, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's basically like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. And in fact, if you head on over there, you can catch my bonus pick, which is only available on the Top Journal MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Journal MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Julian Oroso, who fights Steven Peterson at UFC Vegas 47. That fight is on February 5th. So, Julian, I wanted to start by talking about this. You have a slick Darts choke last time out after stunning Charles Jordan on the feet. I got to ask you, though, that, that submission was absolutely sick. The fight in itself was great. It's like your third awesome finish in a row, but you get no bonus. Were you a little bit miffed by that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think... Um, uh... You know, it kind of sucks because my last two wins um, against um, uh, Landwehr with the flying knee and then uh, Jordan with the two-and-a-half-round fantastic fight and the dart choke to finish it off. Uh, You know, I was kind of expecting uh, to be one of the uh, performance uh, bonuses or even the fight of the night because me and and Jordan had a pretty good fight before that dart choke happened. And so um, I was expecting it a little bit, but... You know, when I took that short notice fight against uh, Sean Woodson, um, I wasn't expecting it then, and I got one then. So sometimes you expect it and don't get it, and sometimes you don't expect it and you get it. And so for me, I'm just blessed to be able to continue my journey to the UFC uh, and be able to get these wins over, uh, you know, tough dudes uh, and and kind of solidify my spot as a featherweight. But uh, I wish, I really do wish, I was able to get <laughs> 50 Gs on that. And I, you know, I, you do expect these things, you know, especially with a Darce choke. And the way I set it up, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty rare, a rare submission already in the UFC, let alone the way I kind of set it up as well. You know, and it was just such an exciting fight. I figured I would get the bonus. Um, but these things happen. You know, you, you got to take them with a grain of salt and just kind of move on to the next one. Yeah, and I obviously have to ask you, too, as a follow-up to this, you, you look at the card, you look at the person who gets it, and it's Patty Pimblett, and it's oh, worth yeah. noting because Patty Pimblett, former opponent of yours, you know, you guys had a fight in Cage Warriors. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to rub salt in the wound. Does that feel even worse that it's of all guys that guy? Uh, you know, 
Not really. I think, and, and that's what that's one thing I forgot to say when I was explaining it was that uh, I did think that the uh, it was a bit shifted towards uh, uh, the European fighters uh, for getting bonuses because obviously it was a highly anticipated debut of Patty Pimlet and even uh, his teammate, that one girl, she got uh, a bonus as well. And I thought, you know, I thought me and Jordan was a bit more technical than theirs and exciting. And to finish off with a sub and instead of going to the decision, um, I think our fight was a better fight of the night. And I think I had a better performance uh, than Patty did because, you know, Patty got the knockout, but it was just, I mean, Flurry also got knocked out himself. Like, uh, those are kind of more of like the fight of the nights. But, um, you know, like I said, you got to take it with a grain of salt. And I, it was to be expected. I knew that the uh, the Europeans were going to have uh, a little bit of a, uh, a biased um, uh uh, a little bit of a, a bias towards the uh, the bonuses, I thought, because uh, I think that card was originally supposed to be in London. So I think um, they were looking for one of those guys to get it. And obviously, Patty being highly anticipated debut, uh, I think if, if he would have won any kind of way, they were going to give him a bonus. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you mentioned, you know, highly anticipated. You've, you've said that a couple of times about him. What do you sort of make of this whole you know, run he's had in, in social media presence that's suddenly all over the place and he's being interviewed by everybody. And he's a guy who, who you went five hard rounds with and arguably some people saw had beaten. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, I can't hate the guy for it. You know, people are going to hate on him. Uh, but I think he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to really, uh, kind of explode on the scene in the UFC. Um, I think it'll just come down to seeing if he can really back it up. I think, um, you know, the guy that he, he just beat on his debut, you know, had him in a lot of trouble. And, uh, and that guy's not like, a, you know, you know, a high prospect. I think he was a guy that they put in there with Patty to really test the waters and see how Patty would do. And, uh, and I think he, I think he, um, he did decent, but I think he also made some big mistakes in that fight. And, uh, you know, I think his next fight is against Cerrone. Um, I think this is a bit of a hand-picked fight as well because, Cerrone's been on such a a decline, but I do still think if Cerrone shows up, you know, at least 70% of himself, I think it's going to be a tough fight for Patty. Um, But like I said, you can't blame the guy for really trying to, uh, you know, explode on the scene with the way he talks and the way he acts. But, uh, you know, it's not something that I do. I kind of, you know, I I keep my mouth shut and I'm just happy to be there. But, you know, when you're trying to make, you know, the big money, uh, you got to be talking the shit and you got to try to back it up too. So, That'll be the interesting part. He's only had one fight in the UFC, and uh, I I do feel like I won the fight that we had at Cage Warriors, and I do think if I fought him again, I would beat him. But, uh, you know, he's at a different weight class than I am. If he ever decides to get to featherweight, uh, I'm down to running back with him. Um, but I think he's going to stay at lightweight. He I think he's just a, a, a bit of an overeater, and I think he enjoys his, <laughs> his sweets a bit too much. I mean, shoot, I watched an interview uh, of him, you know, that was – after his last UFC fight, I thought this was an old interview because he looks so fat. Like he looks <laughs> really fat. And that's kind of like the nickname that people like give him is Patty the fatty. And it's for a reason. The guy literally gets, he becomes almost obese. It's crazy. Like, I don't, and, and the fact that he was able to make featherweight at one point, um, I think he just lost the discipline. And uh, I think it's just easier for him to fight at lightweight, but I think he's going to run into guys that are, uh, that are above him in level and skill sets. But I think what he has going for him is the um, is his presence. You know, people can you know if if you bark if you bark loud enough, you might be able to intimidate some guys. But there's some guys you won't be able to intimidate. I think Cerrone, you know, depending on what night it is, 
uh, what kind of Cerrone we get. He might either be really intimidated like he was with Conor McGregor, or he might not give a fuck and go out there and starch him. So, uh, you know, I think um, it, it just depends uh, with Patty on his, you know, the, the, the run of guys and the, uh, the type of opponents he's going to have to see in the future. That makes a lot of sense. Well, let's, let's draw this interview back to talking about the, the main subject, which is you. Yeah, and, and, not only, yeah, and, and not only are, are you, you know, you mentioned you're on a run. You're trying to make a name for yourself. You've won three out of your last four fights. You've won every yeah. single one of them in absolutely devastating fashion. And this is also, this, this comes on the heel of being your third shot in the UFC because, you know, your first yeah. one doesn't go yep. terribly well. The second one doesn't go terribly well. You wind up in the UFC on short notice the third time, and now you're absolutely steamrolling through people. What is the big difference in this run? Uh, you know, uh, I was doing an interview earlier, and I and I was talking, they were asking me about it, and I really think um, it's kind of amounted to uh, just me being patient. You know, I uh, go getting in the UFC – you want to like, you know, you want to push the action. You want to be an exciting fighter. And, uh, you know, on the regional scene, there were so many times I fought some pretty high level dudes that could have been, you know, UFC caliber fights. And I thought I finished these guys in spectacular fashion. I was like, man, if I could just do that in the UFC, I'll get bonuses. I'll move up the rankings and this and that. And so I think I was trying to force the issue instead of letting the fight come to me. And, um, I think I'm, I'm the best in fights in, in the second half of fights. I mean, I think Sean Woodson was a good example and the Jordan fight was a good example where, you know, if I, I can hang with these guys in the beginning rounds, but once the fight goes on and on and on, I wear on guys. And my cardio is, is something that I, I, I hold at the highest uh, of all my skill sets. You know, I, there's, uh, you can, everybody trains everything the same. You know, we all do boxing. We all do jujitsu. We all do wrestling. We all train the same stuff. Everybody knows everything nowadays. So the, the way you can get the edge is by the cardio, you know, uh, having durability, having the willingness to fight. I mean, there's so many guys that are so good, but you put them on the, in the, in the big stage and they just, and they just, uh, and they crumble and you wonder why. And it's cause they don't have that willingness to fight. And for me, you know, keeping my cardio at an all time high and having my willingness to fight be right beside that. I think, uh, you know, the later half of fights is always kind of in my realm. And so, uh, if I can just be patient, and, uh, and let the fight kind of come to, come to me, I think uh, that's been the biggest difference. You know, when I fought, you know, earlier on, I was like, you know, trying to force the issue on things. And, um, and I was making mistakes because I was trying to force things that weren't there. And so uh, being more patient and letting the fight come to me, I think uh, has helped a lot as of recent. And you mentioned in there, too, fights against Charles Jordan and fights against Sean Woodson were the fights where you got to show exactly what you're talking about, that, that you were able yeah. to to stand with them and trade with, with guys who are pretty yeah. damn talented strikers at the beginning. And as yeah. the time went on, your striking took over. Now, I want to ask you, because you're fighting a guy in Steven Peterson who is built a lot like Charles Jordan or is built a lot like Sean Woodson. He's a taller, lankier, loves to strike uh, is this like your preferred type of fight knowing that, you know, you have this seemingly perfect game plan for this style of guy? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I, I match up really well against Stephen Peterson. I, you know, I was looking for this fight, uh, even before I got it. And even before the Jordan fight, I, you know, I lost to Troy and I, and I, and I DM'd, uh, Peterson directly because he was calling out Nate Landwehr, but Nate Landwehr had already had a fight scheduled. And so, uh, and this was a few months, this was like four or five months back. And, uh, and I, and so I deemed DM'd him and I said, Hey man, 
you know, Landwehr is all booked up. You know, you and me, would you be willing to fight me? We could do October, November, December, whatever is okay with you. Uh, let me know, man. Uh, and, and then he just ignored me 100%. And then, um, and then uh, I had posted on my Instagram. He ignored that as well. And then, you know, so I, and it wasn't even that, uh, you know, if you would have turned the fight down, that would have been totally cool. But the fact that he was just ignoring me and not even responding to me was just, it, it was kind of frustrating. And so I started, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, chipping at him a little bit. And, uh, and then I forgot the Jordan fight, got that fight. And then, um, uh, and then after that, uh, I kind of forgot about Peterson and then finally got the fight with Peterson. And, um, and, and so it was a fight that I was looking forward to because I think I do, uh, stylistically match up really well against a guy like him. Um, I think his striking is a lot, uh, uh, a lot more mediocre than a guy like Jordan or a guy like Sean Woodson. Um, I think my striking is going to shine in this fight. And I think, I think um, uh, Peterson relies a lot on his toughness and his durability, but that's one thing that I have as well. And I think, I think his strengths are also my strengths, but I think I'm stronger in those uh, than he is. So I think I match up really well against him. And that's why I was asking for the fight uh, originally, but uh uh, I actually kind of gave up on getting the fight and then it, you know, and then it fell into my lap. So uh, I was really happy about that. Well, we're happy about it too, because it is an absolute banger of a fight. Now, before I let you go, I do always like to ask my fighters, uh, if you've got a prediction, you know, you've sort of said you, you feel like you can wear on them. You feel like, you know, as the fight goes on, you get stronger. How do you see this one ending? Um, 100% of the time, whenever I'm fighting, I never, you know, I'm never thinking about judges. I'm never thinking about winning rounds. So, uh, I'm always looking for a finish, you know, from the first bell to the last bell. Um, I think it's going to be a very similar fight to like a, the Jordan fight or the, uh, the Woodson fight where, uh, there's going to be, you know, some back and forth exchanges and, and, uh, within the first half of that fight. But I think I'm going to be able to, you know, lock up a submission or end up TKOing him, uh, later in the later half of that fight. So I would say probably in the third round, like I did, uh, Jordan. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Julian Arosa, who fights Steven Peterson at UFC Vegas 47. That fight is on February 5th. Julian, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, 100%, man. I appreciate you, too. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Julian Juicy J. Arosa. I, once again, am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we had a week without fights, but we are back this week with an absolutely crazy middleweight main event in... I think we should get right into it. Let's get right into our favorite segment. All right, let's do it. It's our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, parlays. We're breaking down a couple of fights, giving you a couple of live dogs, and a parlay to play. You, of course, can let us know if we did you right or did you dirty with these picks. Give us a shout at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. But we're pretty good at what we do and not scared to say it. Gumby, let's get into it. But before we do... Does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. You can follow Nichols over on Instagram at 55DoubleNichols55. He will send you five picks each and every morning from the world of NBA, NHL, MLB, MMA. And if, he's been sprinkling in a little tennis, too, as well. And I'm not lying when I'm saying this guy's hitting five almost every single day. He had an 11-pick win streak going recently. And he's not just like those guys who are trying to get you to tail their picks. He's giving you far more than that. He hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day, there's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast, when you sign up, he'll hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55 double nickels 55 on Instagram, Double Nickels Sports Betting. 
Boom. Well, you said it, sir. We have a very fun matchup at middleweight. Um, and I think there's some similarities between these two guys. Sean Strickland, a minus 210 favorite. Jack Hermanson, a plus 170 dog. Hermanson, three years older than is Strickland. Strickland coming in as a two-to-one favorite because he's on a five-fight win streak. Wins over Nordine Tableb, Jack Marshman, Brandon Allen, Christoph Jocko, and Uriah Hall. He's coming off a unanimous decision win over Uriah Hall probably his nicest name to date uh and obviously the big favorite here i say similarities because jack hermanson was once on a four fight win streak himself at middleweight he beat the likes of talis Leites, gerald mearshart david branch and jacare Souza. that was over the course of 2018 and 2019 the world was jack hermanson's oyster we were very high on jack hermanson but now he's two and two since that win streak so you know i guess you could put a rosy colored glasses on it and say he's uh six and two in his last eight but over the course of 2019 uh 2020 and 2021 he has lost to jared cannonier came back with a heel hook win over calvin gastelum lol uh unanimous decision lost to marvin vittori and he's coming off a win over edmund chabazian he is the dog here can he get his career back on track and put two in a row on the board. Who you got? I'm going with Sean Strickland. As much as I do love Jack Hermanson, yeah, I know. I, I mean, like, I'm a big Jack Hermanson fan here on the show. He's been on this show a couple of times, actually. I, I'm still going with Sean Strickland. There, there's just too many things to worry about here for Hermanson. Like, first of all, I don't think Hermanson's a better striker than than Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, his pressure is really impressive. He landed almost 200 punches on, on Uriah Hall, which is Really damn impressive. And, and that pressure, like I said, just keeps coming and coming. So I think a five-round fight actually favors him in that way. You could say that you like Jack Hermanson's grappling in this, but what Sean Strickland has done to stuff grappling has been really impressive in his time in the UFC. Like, you, you go back to that fight he had with um with, with Court McGee back when he was still at welterweight and kind of, like, not even as strong as he is now. And he stuffed 11 straight of Court McGee's takedowns, which, as, as we saw recently in that fight... Um, that Court McGee recently had, it's not easy to stuff that many of Court McGee's takedowns, but he did it really easily. And and to be honest, I don't even really think of Jack Hermanson as being all that great of a wrestler. I, I think his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal and his grounded pound is really good, but I don't see him getting Sean Strickland down here. And as a result, I think he's going to stand and trade with him, which I don't think will work. And I, I worry about how he's going to deal with that pressure. So I, I'm going to go with Sean Strickland here. Yeah, I think that's totally fair, and I'm not going to argue with you. Let's stay at middleweight. Another exciting fight. Uh, we have Puna Soriano, the Hawaiian fighter, as a minus 200 favorite, and Nick Maxinov is a plus 170 dog. Both men are uh, Dana White uh, Contender Series alumni. They won on that show. In Maxinov's case, he has the win on Contender Series, and then in his official UFC debut uh, back in September, he beat Cody Brundage via unanimous decision. Uh, Puna Soriano coming off a loss to Brandon Allen, but before that, he had two wins in the UFC, both by KO. Um, so, you know, he, uh, he is the favorite here, but coming off a loss, who you got? I think I'm going to go with Puna, but I will say this is the toughest fight for me to call on the whole card because, as you know, Nick Maximoff's whole thing is his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu. He's a Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz trained fighter. And he fights like a more grapple-heavy version of them, like one who hates boxing. Uh, and I, I think his wrestling is phenomenal. I think his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. 
And to be honest, I have no idea how Puna deals with takedowns because he hasn't really faced more than like one in his whole time in the UFC. But I do think his striking is good enough that he's going to do damage on the feet. He's going to look better on the feet. So I, 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 this is a huge question mark for me because Puna could go out there and be like the worst at defending takedowns in the whole world and, and make me look really stupid. But I think he's probably good enough here to keep the feet and beat Nick Maximoff in a striking match. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. If it hits the ground, you got Maximoff. Maximoff. So I think what you do is you take a prop with him by submission because let's face it, that's how he would win. Um, I mean, maybe he could, you know, uh, do a, like a ground and pound over two out of three rounds, three rounds, and take a decision win, of course. But if you're just playing this straight up, uh, then you know, I I probably I'd probably go Soriano. Um, okay, let's move on then. And uh, speaking of grappling, Shavkat Rachmanov, uh, minus 225 favorite, and Carlson Harris is a plus 85 dog. Rather exciting fight. Um, let's talk about my boy Shavkat because after coming from M1, he has looked very good in the UFC. Uh, guillotine choke over Alex Oliveira, nice name, and a rear naked choke over uh, Michelle Prezaris. So, he is a submission machine, is Shavkat. And taking on Carlston Harris, by the way, Shavkat is from Kazakhstan. Uh, and uh, Carlston Harris is uh, 2-0 and in the UFC as well. He's coming out of UAE Warriors. But in the UFC, he had a win over Christian Aguilera via the choke. And a, uh, I guess it was... Was it a TKO over Impa Kazangana? Yeah, it was a TKO was a over TKO? Impa Kazangana. Yeah, he he. I think he landed, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, a big like right hand, and then Impa crumbled, and, and he landed. With... Yeah, like a whole bunch of strikes on the ground. Yeah, on the ground. Okay, yeah. I was trying to remember it myself. Um, but anyway, really exciting fight. And again, if I didn't say the odds because I do get hit in the head a lot, uh, Rachmanov a minus two twenty five favorite, and Carlson Harris. Plus 185 dog. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going favorite for the third straight time here. I, I do think the odds should be closer than this because Carlston Harris hits like a fucking truck as we saw in the Impa Kasangane fight. But I, I really love Shavkat Rachmanov. Like I am, I'm one of those guys who's saying he is the best prospect at welterweight, not named Sean Brady or Kamzat Chimaev, um, which is, is pretty high praise right now. Because like you said, he's not only a submission machine, but he is phenomenal on the feed as well. Um, you know, I like his takedown defense because really that's how he beat Cowboy Oliveira. He tagged him and then subbed him. Um, tagged him, made him, you know, panic wrestle him a little bit and picked up that guillotine choke. We saw an M1 Global. He's able to start the wrestling himself. He's able to finish it on the feet if he wants to. His grounded pound's good. Yeah, I, I think Shavkat Rachmanov is the whole package. I, I hope he doesn't stand and trade too long with Carlston Harris because I think that is a dangerous way to go. Um, so I don't love the odds here, but I am going to take Shavkat Rachmanov straight up here. I like it. Um, and I like him by sub, too. Uh, our underdog of the week, and I might butcher the name, is Chidi Nagawane, Nujukawane, uh, plus 115 over Mark andre uh, Baralt. Yeah, so uh, it's Chidi Njikawani. Uh, so I like Chidi Njikawani. I've seen his number fluctuate a little bit, but the last I saw it was plus 115. I can't believe he's coming in as an underdog here because I, I absolutely think he's going to slaughter Marc-Andre Barrio. He showed in his uh, contender series fight that he's 
super fast. We know his kickboxing's good. We've seen him against high-level competition in Bellator and a whole bunch of other places. Uh, he's a guy who I thought should have gotten a, a chance in the UFC long before he ever had to fight on the Contender Series. And he's fighting a guy in Barrio who is a guy who pretty much just, like, takes a beating for multiple rounds and is able to outlast people late in the fights, or at least that's how he's won his, his last couple fights. He actually lost three in a row to start his career. So I, I don't think he can do that against the guy who hits, like, Njikawani. So I'm going to take uh, Chidi Chidi Bang Bang here uh, to pick up the plus 115 dog for us. All right, I like it. And our parlay to play. Uh, you compare Hakeem Dewadu, a minus 180 favorite, and Jelton Almeida, a minus 385 favorite. But pair them together, get your plus 105 odds. here. Yeah, I, I am a huge fan of Jelton Almeida, uh, also known as Jelton Jr. Uh, you could see him fight Danilo Marquez this weekend, a massive favorite. Look, the guy went in and fought a guy calling himself the light heavyweight Habib on the Contender Series in Nasrudin Nasrudinov. And all he did was out Habib, the guy who was claiming he was the Habib. Um, he's a Brazilian guy, but he has got crazy good wrestling. Uh, and sometimes I think that's not even the best part of his game. He's a good striker too, but that pressure out of Almeida is absolutely incredible. And that's why you see him as a massive favorite here. I don't like playing that straight up. So I am pairing him with Daudo, who is fighting Mike Trezano. Uh, Trezano is a guy who I just don't think wins very often if he can't out wrestle somebody. And Daudo only really lost to uh, Mozart Evloev by wrestling. Before that, he was on a five-fight winning streak. So I think you're getting kind of a steal with him at minus 180. So to pair him together and get plus money on the turnaround, I certainly love that one. Boom. Well, that wraps it up for us. We hope you enjoyed it. Gumby, the show is uh, moving down the tracks. The train is a rolling. Where do we go next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Steven Ocho-Peterson, who is fighting the aforementioned Julian Arosa this weekend. But before we get to that interview, I do have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to tag your training partners, log your training sessions, competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jujitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Steven Peterson. All right, and joining me today is Steven Peterson, who fights Julian Arosa this upcoming weekend at UFC Vegas 47. So, Steven, I wanted to start here. This past June, you picked up a win over Chase Hooper, a guy who's got quite a bit of a name behind him. But you'd been out almost two years prior to that and have been out three quarters of a year heading into this fight. So we're really talking about like two fights in almost a three-year period. Has that been frustrating for you? And what exactly has been keeping you out that long? Um, yeah, at the time, you know, while I've been, uh, you know, sitting out, that that can be frustrating. But uh, I've been able to, uh, you know, remedy a couple injuries that have been, uh, you know, plaguing me for for quite some time in my career. Uh, after I was after I got the uh, spinning back fix knockout in Mexico City, um, I was able to take some time and have my uh, my surgery. Uh, many people didn't know that I was fighting with a uh, you know uh, bone chips in my elbow joint, uh, which were causing a lot of um, ligament issues, and uh, basically it was uh, it was hard for me to extend my arm. It was extremely painful hard to keep my hands up while I was fighting. Um, and I had dealt with that for about six years. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just time if, if I wanted to be able to make a run in the UFC, 
uh, I had to be fresh and, uh, you know, I, it's really hard one, just to compete in the UFC, but, uh, to be able to make a run, um, if you're fighting with, you know, one of your limbs, not, not functioning properly, that can, that can really lead to some problems. So I wanted to get that right. And, uh, you know, make sure I was healthy while I'm, uh, stepping into the octagon so I can go out there and, uh, you know, make my best showing. So I'm assuming that that is the first bout, that bout with Chase Hooper, was the first time you felt 100% going into a fight. How different did it feel having some of those nagging injuries out of the way? Honestly, it made a world of difference. Uh, just being able to sleep at night, really, uh, you know, the pain was, was one thing. I was able to, to train through it. Uh, but, you know, in my, in my rounds or training, I'm always, you know, having issues. I was having issues uh, fully extending it. So punching was an issue. Blocking was an issue, uh, and then especially sleeping, uh, I, it, it would really interrupt my, my recovery and my downtime because uh, you know I'd be waking up in the middle of the night with it throbbing. It, it would be a nightly nightly basis that I had to uh, you know ice it and, and try to get some sort of release. So uh, you know being healthy in that fight with uh, Chase Hooper, I was just able to actually focus more on. Uh, going out there and, and performing rather than uh, working around my injury. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, you alluded to making a run in the UFC and getting ready to make your name. You, you did get your first ever two-fight UFC winning streak with that last win, so tell me a little bit about where you feel like you fit into this division and what this Arosa, might, this Arosa fight might do for you. Yeah, I feel like I can hang with the best, man. Uh before I was in the UFC, I, I had fought multiple five-round fights. I finished guys in the fourth round on all five rounds. Uh, guys have never fought for a belt, uh, have never gone five rounds. By the time they get to the UFC, they kind of uh, try to lay under the radar. So I feel like, you know, my experience outside of the UFC, uh, although I've uh, picked up a couple losses, they've prepared me for a higher level of competition now that I'm in the UFC. Uh, I, I feel like uh, all I need is consistency. I need to stay healthy, and I need to put together a win streak. Uh, I feel like I had won that fight against Alex Caceres, and uh, it was stripped from me. So I should be, in my mind, on a three-fight win streak, and Alex Caceres is now on a five-fight win streak. So, uh, you know... He's working his way up in the division. I feel like with another win, maybe we can run that one back and, uh, you know, hype it up to be a, you know, a co-main event or, or a big fight coming up here uh, in 2022. Well, I'd certainly be into that. Now, before we can get to Alex Caceres, though, we have to get through Julian Rosa, a guy who's been dragging people into deep waters. He's been using his striking in fights, but after hitting those big bombs, he's been submitting people. Now, your guy who uses quite a bit of wrestling and, and who also works with some guys who are really great wrestlers and really good submission skills. How do you feel like you match up with the skills of Julian Arosa? I feel like I match up really well with him. Uh, you know, he went out of his, his way to call me out. So he thinks that, you know, obviously there's something that he sees that he thinks he can exploit. But I've been, uh, you know, working on my overall game just just improving my overall martial arts game and, uh, and filling in my holes. So, uh, you know, the way we match up, obviously 
we both uh, have good striking. We both are underrated on the ground. I feel like we both have, you know, pretty good ground. We can hang with just about anybody on the ground. So uh, I see a lot of this fight taking place on the feet. And, uh, you know, I look at his losses, and, and he's got some bad losses. You know, he's got quite a few wins, which is, you know, impressive, especially, uh, you know, he was on a three-win streak in the UFC. Uh, very impressive. But uh, his losses are uh, are finishes, or, you know, at least quite a few of them. So looking at that, I feel like I'll be able to, uh, you know, exploit those holes in his game and, and follow the blueprint to, to take him out, such as other guys have done. Now, you mentioned in there that he did call you out. He wanted a fight with Steven Ocho Peterson. How does that make you feel when people are calling you out? Is it an honor? Do you feel like you're being slighted? Honestly, I feel like it's good business. When everybody wants to fight me in my division, then uh, it it shows that, uh, one, you know, I'm doing something right. I have a job. Uh, I have, uh, you know, guys that want to fight me. If we don't have anybody that wants to fight us in our division, then it's kind of hard to get work, right? So, uh, so I, I feel like that plays to my advantage. Um, I feel like a lot of guys might want to fight me because of my style, um, because it's a potential fight of the night bonus, uh, especially me and Julian Rosa. I feel like that, that, you know, it, and that and the main event on the card have, have makings of, uh, a fight of the night. So I, I feel like that could have a lot to do with it. And then, uh, you know, just, the me have taken these tough fights in the past. Uh, guys know that I'm not going to turn it down. You can go call out somebody that's undefeated or somebody that, uh, you know, has tiptoed around the division and you probably won't hear anything back. But, uh, you know, you call me out and they hit me with a contract. Uh, I'm not a guy to say no. Well, I like that mentality. Now, before I let any of my fighters go, I always like to get a good prediction. Tell me, how do you see this one ending with Julian Arosa come this weekend? Julian Arosa is going to sleep February 5th. One way or another, I'm going to put him to sleep. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Steve Ocho Peterson, who fights Julian Arosa this upcoming weekend at UFC Vegas 47. Steven, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Real quick, want to give a little shout-out to my sponsors, CWL.Law, New Lifespan, uh, Hutchins Barbecue, Dank Vodka, Chandler Cabinets, and uh, you know, hopefully I hit the ones that, that cut me the checks. <laughs> and that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and of course, Double Nickel Sports Betting. Remember, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We will catch you then.